the skill itself, the technical skill of drawing your pistol and putting it on target and shooting is the same across the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're in Afghanistan or in the Waffle House parking lot. <laughs> so it's the same skill. Technically. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to be smart enough to discern what's going on around you at all times. Uh, for these old, uh, like FUD type dude, cop dudes, the old, old guys that say competition will get you killed. I think, I think they're full of shit. Yeah, I agree 100%, man. It is, uh, and that's that's another thing that, you know, when you get a gun, you've got a responsibility yeah. to yourself, not only yourself, but everyone around you, your family, um, those you would seek to protect to be able to be trained proficiently yeah. in order to use it. And I think a lot of people um, get a gun and all of a sudden feel like their their safety has engaged, like they are protected. And yeah. they don't really seek any more, any further education. Um, how and do some you... of it's some of that's willful ignorance, but some of it you got to imagine is people just don't know what they don't know, right? You know, that, absolutely, that they don't realize how hard it's going to be to employ that in a self defense uh, kind of like scenario. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent on that. How do you get somebody? Because um, I remember when I was starting out, and you know, obviously take this back to my own experiences. I remember starting out after taking the NRA class. Um, I was still in the military at the time, so I had that. I thought that was enough. And then you realize how shitty general military shooting quals and training are is. Uh, you realize, like, how much more you should actually be learning. Um, but, like, it was, it was kind of like, I don't want to say intimidating, but I, I almost didn't know where to go for, for, uh, for training to, to learn more than I knew. Um, other than other NRA classes, and if you've taken any other NRA classes, it's all kind of the, the same stuff, just just at a different flavor. It's not really past a certain skill level, and I think most NRA classes do not get you prepared for um, what you would need in a self defense situation. How do you? How would you say is the best way to get new shooters or newer shooters um, on the right mindset to start taking training like you offer? Uh, well, first of all, I am an NRA instructor. However, I poo-poo on NRA all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. their training's garbage because it's only for the range. Um, how do I get new shooters? It's hard. I, the way I think I'm doing it, I think I'm doing it correctly, is I, I've, I've started offering free courses uh, for people. Yeah, I saw that. But um, I've also, I also do like fun day, Sunday, once a month. And it's really cheap just to come out and hang around and see what's going on. Very low stress environment. Um, I do private sessions. Uh, and that's a big deal around here. I'm, I, I always have, uh, I'm always busy with private sessions. So people who are nervous about shooting around other folks and, and that kind of thing. So that's been very popular. Uh, and that's all you can do, man. Like, and what you said earlier is correct. You don't know what you don't know. So these new shooters, it's hard to tell who's legit and who isn't. Uh, 
NRA, I would argue, is not really legit for training. You know, whatever their politics and whatever else they're doing, I don't know, but uh, their training is not not very good. So, and you're right, Jordan, about yeah. being in the military. Yeah. yeah, that's not the place to go become a a professional shooter. Uh, and it depends on your job, obviously, but that's where I really jumped into to being a, a, a good shooter was it was when I was in and. Other than that, it's just, you know, go shoot competitions and just push your competing against other people is a be- one of the best ways to train, I think. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. But a lot of people are intimidated by competition. They don't want to be around other people. Uh, they think everybody out there is a pro shooter yeah. except them. When, in, in fact, it's pretty opposite. Like, there's probably one or two pro shooters and then everybody else is just whatever. Yeah. So. Just, just getting comfortable with a gun's a hard task for some yeah, people. Yeah, hear that, man. Oh, fucked up. So I, I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because we, we touched on a few things that 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 I had already wanted to talk about. Um, but you mentioned right off the bat that you started doing free training. You mentioned right off the yeah. bat. That, oh my god, sorry, I need to silence my phone. <laughs> you mentioned right off the bat that you uh, you started doing free training, and um, we wanted to know why. Why you get into doing something like that? Like, what is your goal there? Are you are you just trying to be pragmatic in your approach and, and give the training to those who can't afford it? Or what is your motivation behind that? Well, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, not everybody can afford to take a $250 class. And a lot of people are charging a lot of money for, for training that's pretty basic. So... I'm trying to raise that ground level, that that base level, skill level up for everyone. Uh, like I, I literally know guys who had to save up money to go yeah. buy a pistol. Now they got to save up money to go yeah. take their first course. So once a quarter, and it's not, I'm not trying to break the market, no, no. right? I'm not trying to fuck all the other instructors out there. I'm just, once a quarter, I'm trying to open it up uh, to so the people who don't normally get to train come train with a professional. That's awesome, man. Because I am a professional, yeah. and I'm going to give the same level of information to them that I give in my friggin' whatever class, you know? So that sounds yeah, a bit absolutely, like absolutely, man. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Stepping on each other's toes again. <laughs> no, that's good. Dang, it's brutal. And that, that's something that I noticed when that you said in the, uh, I think it was on the Southern Ornith- Ornithological League. I've been practicing that word. Website. That, <laughs> Say it uh, three times fast. Yeah. That you, one of the reasons those classes are, are more expensive and, you know, on, on top of them being very specialized training classes, I think you had a, um, a mountaineering search and rescue course, which is obviously not something that everyone is going to benefit from, but the people who do benefit from that, uh, I'm sure benefit from it a lot because you can't find that anywhere. But it's uh, one of the reasons that you charge more for those classes is so that you can then push those, push some of that money to cover the costs of somebody who can't afford your classes. And I think that's really cool. I don't necessarily think that that's breaking the, the market because you are charging more for one class in order to give somebody another class for free. And, and that's something that if somebody knows going into that, which I'm assuming somebody who takes one of your classes does, because uh, it says so right on your website, I feel like that's something that the market is consenting to, essentially. I mean, 
it's it's like okay i'm paying a little bit more for this class but i know that it's going to a good cause because somebody's going to get the training who needs it who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford it and uh, i think that's a really cool way to do it and you know for what it's worth definitely commend you for 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 doing something like that well i appreciate that um now those courses don't just cost more because they cost more there's a lot of resources and a lot of uh a lot of back-end effort that goes into those. I mean, a whole bunch. Um, and, and a lot of those courses, I have role players and just all kind of shit that costs money. Uh, and the people, who's, the people who go after those leadership and teamwork-type courses, those immersive scenario-based courses, you know, they're, they're not worried about an extra 250 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, so... Yeah, uh, that's one reason. I mean, do you, do you call up, uh, no one calls up Walmart and asks them why <laughs> something costs more than it costs yeah, over yeah. at Kmart or something, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, what I do with the money is, is what I do with the money, but it's to, it's to benefit, yeah, my business, but to make my business more accessible to everyone. Yeah, that's for sure. awesome, man. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to say like you take all your money and, and just use it for, uh, for freebies for people because, Obviously, you got to make money and and uh, keep the uh, keep the the dream alive. But <laughs> yeah, I was just bar. talking about a. I had an electrician that did that uh, uh, a few years ago. I was just talking about that the other day. You had an electrician uh, who did it? Yeah, yeah. I paid him for materials, and then he came back the next week. And was like, "Hey, I I spent all the money on materials. I need a little more." And I was suspicious, so I got one of his helpers talking, and uh, found out he went to a fucking strip club and spent all that money. Which is cool, like good on you. But after you buy the shit you need, you know whatever yeah, you do right. with your money yeah. is, is like, on you. Do what you, you want with your money as long as you get the job done. But don't yeah. don't hit yeah, me up twice and like get, lie about it. I'm not your bankroll for the titty bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, yeah, no that that is that's cool, man. And so it sounds like those classes on on top of um, what what I was saying was I know that the only reason they're more expensive uh, isn't. The only reason they're more expensive isn't because you're you're using that money to pay for somebody. They're obviously a lot more complex, and there's a lot more that goes into them. But that is uh, nah, of course, one no. of the reasons, and, and it seemed cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So how do you? How would you? I, I know you were talking about. And hey, on another note on that. Yeah, on, on another note on that, um, I love teaching firearms training and all that stuff. It's it's my passion. I love shooting. Uh, but those courses are fun to do, oh, yeah. man. Uh, I got, I got a lot of different things on there. They're just, they're just fun to do. Yeah. So I like, right. yeah, of course. I remember being up for like during, during like mount training and stuff like that in the Marines. And that shit was a blast. Like it was, it was, uh, I mean, you were miserable. Like it was in the middle of, of like, you know, you're already out in the field for a week or whatever which I'm sure means nothing to you because that, that probably sounds like a, like a weekend for compared to the stuff you've done. But, <laughs> um, it, it, uh, I remember, I remember doing op four stuff and just being like, you mean I get to point this at people and fucking shoot them? Like, and, and, and it's such a weird thing, not at them, but you know, around them cause you're shooting blanks and, um, uh, I would love to get paid for something like that, you know, more than what a Lance corporal gets paid. So, one of the uh, one of the other things that you uh, touched on before we started talking about the uh, the free training uh, was competition, right? And we just talked to uh, Carl Casardo about this about the, the training benefit of um, of competition. 
Um, and I noticed that you talk a lot in other interviews and on your Instagram about getting people out there shooting, uh, you know, IDPA, USPSA, that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I wanted to know like what you think, like how you view competition shooting as a, as a, as a training tool, I guess, or, you know, is it something that, you know, it's, it's like self-defense and competition are two different disciplines or they're related disciplines, or do you think that like just competition shooting is good training by itself in a vacuum? Uh, nothing in a vacuum, but I'll say this, the skill itself, the technical skill of drawing your pistol and putting it on target and shooting is the same across the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're in Afghanistan or in the Waffle House parking lot. <laughs> so it's the same <laughs> yeah. skill, technically. You, you have to be smart enough to discern what's going on around you at all times. Uh, for these old, uh, like, FUD-type dude, cop dudes, the old, old guys that say competition will get you killed, I think, I think they're full of shit. I know plenty of professional gunfighters who are also high-ranked USPSA shooters and whatnot. So yeah, uh, you have to be a little bit of a critical thinker. And that's, you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be a little bit of a critical yeah, thinker. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, what, what you're saying mirrors what a lot of the uh, what a lot of these um, you know young Instagram dudes on uh, uh, that we interact with are also saying that uh, you know there's no a lot of people a lot of this sort of like new conventional wisdom is is you know, that, uh, you know, get out there and compete, you know, even if you're not, even if you're not making a career out of competition, it's, it's, uh, people are saying it's, it's good experience. And I've only ever done IDPA, but that, that's kind of how I feel about it too. If nothing else, it's like a good, um, measurement, I guess, of, of where yeah. I'm at with my like physical and mental fitness. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and for, for your average gun owner, not, not professional gunfighters, but your average gun owner, competition shooting is one of the only places and ways you can go out and move and shoot or shoot, you know, from in, in sort of a, a time constrained environment. If you go to your local indoor range, half of those places don't even let you draw from the holster. Yeah, that's wild. What the fuck are you supposed to do with that? Yeah, and yeah. I understand, like, from a liability perspective, why a lot of those ranges don't allow it, especially when you've got, you know, the dude who goes out shooting once a year, mm. twice a year, and wants to teach his girlfriend how to shoot. Um, you know, if... Like, if, watch this, babe. Yeah, if a stupid thing can happen, it will happen. Um, but that being said, it sucks when, yeah, you know, true. like, living in Connecticut, we used to have this place called King 33 that was a uh, phenomenal training tool for, for normal people. It was... Um, I think it was run by like a former teams guy or, or an army ranger dude. Um, but he ended up going back to it and, and the place shut down, but, uh, they had, they had force on force training with simunition. They had a live fire shoot house. They had, uh, a lot of like vehicle stuff. They had, they had a lot of like really practical skills that, that I think a lot of people want to learn, um, as it applies to, you know, ultimately a self-defense situation. Um, but unfortunately, there's really nothing like that around here, and that's so we end up getting stuck with these static ranges where, um, you know, the 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 ones that do allow you to draw from the holster are are short uh, indoor ranges for the most part, um, which is, is still valuable to to use. But the ones that you know any kind of distance and um, allow uh, 
longer longer distance shots don't allow transitions that you have to fire from the bench seating position um and it's it's kind of super lame after the first like 30 minutes not a lot of value there not a lot of value in, in no. static you, you can do some very specific things and that's good but um we do force on force stuff out here i have utm uh products and that's one of the most popular courses is the ones we do everyday carry course with scenarios at the end and it, and we and, we, and we set them up like very practical like you're at the gas station parking lot and some dude approaches you you know and wants your wallet and that kind of thing and we do varying that's levels awesome. of, of violence in that but uh it, it that that class is one of the biggest eye openers for the people who come out here yeah, they don't I understand how how fast things happen and the level of violence that escalates uh, like immediately. So uh, a lot of people think yeah. they have a plan, and and then six foot three dude snatches them up and takes their gun away and shoots them with it. And they, <laughs> then they're like, "Oh shit, maybe I need to think about something else," you know. So it, it, yeah. force on yeah. force is awesome, man. That's one of my. Other than being able to hit what you're shooting at, force on force is the next most valuable training, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, it it is it is a whole different level. Um, I I remember my first class with them. Like it was it was I was always a pretty confident shooter. Like I under the the normal conditions that I was shooting in, um, I would call myself a good shot. And then uh i did this class and and i was i was shooting back and forth with this guy from down a hallway we were on opposing door frames um so diagonal from each other and this guy hit me twice one in the hand and and one like center mass and i missed all 10 fucking shots on this guy and Jesus. It, yeah dude it, it is like a whole it is a very humbling experience it is extremely humbling and it's one of those things that like it it really makes you think like are like you don't know what you don't know and I thought I was like a great shot because, you know, I was at one point one of those people that like I would take my girlfriend to the range and be like, honey, watch this. Like, you should learn how to carry a gun. This is what it's like. And then you take one of those classes <laughs> yeah. and you're like, like a, I, like a moderate <laughs> amount of stress. And you're just like, you know, fucking flying <laughs> all, shit over all of a sudden. Um, so speaking of that, like, you know, you've obviously got experience uh, in, in this game. And, um, I was wondering if you just, just for the people who are listening, could just talk about your background a little bit and, uh, what you did before this, if you, if you feel comfortable talking about that. Yeah, man, I was, uh, I was in the army for 25 years. I did about uh, eight or nine years in the 82nd airborne division. And, uh, I went to SF selection and, uh, and I was in 10th group for all of my SF, well, 16 years as an SF guy. And two, three of those years was at SOCOM as the uh, marksmanship program manager there at SOCOM, which isn't as cool as it sounds. It was just the marksmanship program <laughs> for the headquarters in McDill. But we, uh, we did a lot of training. I got uh, my team there. We, we did the, uh, we started doing the Mogadishu Mile run and shoot event there at SOCOM when we had another big event, the D-Day shootout, which was a big one. Uh, but those were events where we had 150 shooters. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a good learning experience anyway, uh, managing that many people out there doing competitions and stuff. 
So yeah, man, that, that was it. Um, my, my shooting came along. Yeah. When I was in SF, I shot more, right. Uh, in the 82nd, I maybe shot a pistol two times ever. Um, uh, in SF, I, I learned to shoot and we did a lot of shooting. I was in first battalion for uh, the first three years of my career and, uh, SF career. And we shot a lot there. And, uh, but when I went to SOCOM, and I was always a pretty good shooter. When I went to SOCOM, I met a guy named Dan, who was a civil, GS civilian, former 10th grouper, former Delta guy. And I didn't know he was all those things. He was just a GS civilian who was probably 12, 15 years older than me. Um, when I started talking about the marks, standing up the marksmanship program, his ears perked up. And he was very quiet and stoic and never said anything good. But eventually he became my mentor and <laughs> the guy I, I look to for for all things gun related. And uh, anyway, that's when I got into USPSA awesome. shooting down there with him. And, uh, you know, was I, I was never very awesome at it. And I, I don't shoot USPSA often now. It's been a couple of years uh, up here. We got IDPA up here, closer to me, so that's uh, that's what I'm shooting now is IDPA. Right. But um, any it doesn't matter. Any form of competition is good because you're testing yourself against other standards, other people, you know, already yeah. established standards, etc. You got et metrics that you can. So anytime you can push, you. yeah, a metric. Yeah, that's right. So you got something that you can measure your performance against and you can, you can, uh, get better. So there's no reason not to shoot competition. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about the, uh, you, you have a ton of experience. It sounds like, and I, and it's, it's clear when people look at, uh, your Instagram and the things you talk about in, in your website that you bring that experience to the forefront and you're, you're using that to teach other people. You are, I don't know how old you are, but I'd say like, you know, like I would call you an old salt, like, like in a, in the best way possible, you know, um, with, because of <laughs> your experience, because <laughs> like in a good way, like not a FUD. You can, you can yeah, tell by a gray. Exactly. Exactly. Um, not a FUD clearly, but no, 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 fun, no, no. I would never call you that, but, uh, um, <laughs> I wouldn't dare. <laughs> um, never. how do you feel about, uh, this like, New, like my generation, I would say, of like Instagram dudes. Oh, who the LARPers are yeah, the LARPers. Um, who who some of which are actually like very big into shooting. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And are and are great I at. Say it, that, but, I say that affectionately, not like critically. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you feel about like these dudes that have like thirty thousand people who follow them on Instagram and have essentially learned everything that they do from like Lucas Botkin videos and things like that not that there's anything wrong with learning the way that you learn but what do, what do you what's your general take on on stuff like that and the way like gun culture kind of seems to be going right now on the internet uh well let me let me start by saying i listen to one of the other podcasts i listen to is seaburn art i'm sure yeah, you know yeah, those we guys. Love them. um and i would say they are a younger i'd say they are a younger crew and actually uh, if you talk to Mitch, um, he will tell you that I gave him a wet willy in Afghanistan 
uh, several years ago. <laughs> is that which, true? Is that a true story? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I think now Lewis Botkin, eh, whatever. Uh, is that his name? Lewis? Lucas. No, I don't know his name. <laughs> Botkin. I know who you're talking about. The Botkin Lucas. boy. Look, uh, hey, man, he shoots well. Uh, I just think he's a bit of a, a like a, his personality. I don't like, but Hey, he shoots well. So uh, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't argue that he shoot, don't shoot well. So however he learned to shoot is how, as long as he's learning now, yeah, you have to bounce off your shit against other people. And there are people out there in my age group who have all the credentials and background who are out there putting out fucked up yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's very true. You know, Which... that, that's absolutely true, man. And I'm not going to name names here in public, <laughs> but th- there's some dudes out there who are uh, portraying an image that is, is vastly fucking beyond what they, they yeah. should be doing. Well, and that's actually something else that I, I wanted to ask you about too. Um, you know, because you're, you're a, you're a trainer. Uh, you talk about professionalism, um, you know, obviously you have the, the military pedigree, but like you said, some of the people out there that are talking to, that are using their mil- military pedigree or their law enforcement pedigree to kind of, um, market themselves. Yeah. It's not all equal. You know, it's not always, it's, it's not always, uh, like a, like a mark of trust. Right. So how, how can people who are seeking training vet and research potential instructors, um, you know, I, like how, how, how do people figure out who they can trust and who they can't? Yeah. Well, that's the trick. Isn't it? It's hard these days with the internets and everything like that. It, it, there's so many people, uh, the best you can do is, is find somebody who you kind of have to be a good judge of character. You kind of have to be able to sort of sniff out bullshit. Yeah. You got to work on your bullshit um, detector, but there are, Yeah. But there are, uh, like, like for me, for instance, I'm not averse to change, right? I'm not married to a technique or something, and I'll say you always have to do this and you never do that. If somebody proves a better, proves a better way to me, I, I'll jump on board. Um, there's a difference between principles and techniques. And all these dudes on the Internet, you see a bunch of weird techniques. The question is, do they adhere to principles? Uh, so you have to have a little bit of base knowledge to understand that. And there's plenty of people out there putting good stuff out. So yeah, I know there's a sea of, a sea of instructors out there, tactical dudes. It's, it's so fucking hard, but you know, if an instructor doesn't have a bio now, yeah, some people maybe don't care about your story, but they want, they want to know your background at least to a certain degree. Most people inherently trust the SF guy. If they look at me and go, hey, you're an SF guy, I, I trust that you know what you're doing. You know, they're probably right to a degree. Now, if I get up there and start doing some wazoo <laughs> techniques, Sonny Pazikas was an SF guy, uh, you know, not, not in America, but, uh, you know, he turned out to be not so trustworthy. Yeah, there's so, so even then, that's not... You got to do a little deeper vetting than that. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, I'm. A, I was a. I, I think I was a B B ranked USPSA guy. So is that worth worthwhile? Maybe. I yeah. don't know. Um, have I ever shot myself in the foot? 
No, never <laughs> have. So that's not bad. Um, yeah, I think I think there's definitely red flags, right? Uh, like um, like lack safety. Uh, I think is the biggest red flag for me. Um, if I see an yeah, instructor okay. like flagging students or putting students in harm's way or you know taking unnecessary risks, I mean, for for me, just for me personally, that's that's the biggest like immediate indicator that this guy might not know what he's talking about. But that's an easy one. That's like a like an easy red hey, flag. So, yeah, hey, that is easy. I, I didn't want to name names on here, but I'm going to ask you guys, have you ever seen the bone, bone tactical guy? The name sounds familiar. Spell it. B-O-N-E, bone. Oh, yeah. Bone. Look that yes. fucking guy. Yeah, yeah he, he, he comes out, he, he makes the, yeah, uh, look that dude, fucking I'm going to crap, oh, I don't, I don't have it with well, me we can, right we now. We can I have one of his, on record, like, crashing yeah. people. I have one of his single knuckles. That's so yeah. fucking funny that you said that, because I because I bought it because I thought it was a cool thing to have, but like I I didn't look into his backstory or anything like that. Look, man, <clears throat> read that guy's bio. Go to I don't I don't want to push traffic to that fucking guy's website, but read that fucking guy's bio. And it reads like some kind of bad Hollywood script. But don't go <laughs> to that guy. I mean, that's just it. Do you uh do you want us to or people? To... There's another. Here, Sorry, no. I was gonna say, do you want us to 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 well, leave that just out? Well, I'm just pointing out. Nah, fuck it. Leave, leave it on. Um, All right. All right. Cool. And and also, and 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 another thing is this: if if somebody's bio is very vague, and they do a lot of alluding, they allude to what they did, but they don't specify what what they did. They worked with certain units or something like that. You know, if you can't be specific about your background, what the fuck, man? Nobody's background is so secret that they can't tell you what they did. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things to include that, CIA guys. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I immediately noticed about Mitch from from C. Bernard is how like open he was and upfront he was about his what he did. Because um, I think if if uh, I'm gonna kick myself if I get this wrong, but like he said that he worked with. Uh, SF guys, but then he would immediately say, I wasn't SF, like I was just attached in this way or another, um, and would clarify yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, ah, oh, it's cool. You know, not that, you know, listen, they've got like hundreds of thousands of people that listen to them. I'm sure somebody would call you out if they, if they knew better, but, um, it's just, it's, it's, I have oh, yeah, more faith sure. in somebody like that who lays their self out on the table humbly than somebody who tries to be cryptic and like inflate their ego and inflate their credentials more than they actually have. Yeah. And there's another, uh, another small way that I use to vet people is, uh, speaking of being humble, there are guys who use false humility as a, as a way to creep in. Yep. Right. Uh, they tell you, they, they allude to some sexy stuff, and then they go, but, you know, it wasn't that blah, blah, blah. Guys who, who do this false humility shtick is probably a red flag as well. They're out there. I've just, I've seen them recently, even on, on the That's internet. That's like a new so. tactic. Um, you got to neg yourself I'm so a people trust you. It is. False humility. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Now... I don't know if it's humble to say that I'm humble. I, I think I'm a humble guy, but I'm also confident. <laughs> I'm very That's proud what of you my want us to I think. Know, and I know the things I don't. Yeah. And I know the things I don't know also, though. That's that's the trick. 
Yeah, yeah. For and sure. I think being upfront about that kind of stuff, and and that's really it. You know, I think the biggest thing is is if you're a student, you need to ask questions, and and I think being a good like judge of personality is important because um, I think if you start asking questions, somebody who uh, has has overinflated their resume is is probably not going to give you straight answers compared to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and, and encourages you to ask questions. So um, that, you know, you, you, if, if I were to yeah. ask you a question, you said, you know, honestly, I don't know, but like, I'll find out for you. That would be a huge green flag for me right there. It's like, okay, well, this dude yeah. seems to be telling the truth. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's right. And oh, I got yeah. one more red flag technique. It's the, um, I got a catchphrase is I don't like dudes who, Use 50 cent words to explain 10 cent concepts. Guys who use yep. Yep. Uh, overly intellectual jargon. jargon. That that asses me up for one. But for two, it's, <laughs> it's an indicator that they probably don't know what, what they're talking about. Yeah, because if you can bamboozle, give them the old razzle-dazzle with the big words, then they, they will be less likely to ask follow-up questions because yeah, they don't know what the yeah. fuck you're talking about in the first the old place. razzle-dazzle. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. The old razzle dazzle. That's it, man. Watch out for those fucking guys. Yeah, yeah. they're out yeah, I'm there. definitely not going to ask this guy another question if I have to sit through more of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it, hey, it's a trick. It's a minefield out there, man. And, and, and you don't want to spend 550 bucks on a course to go and train with a guy who's got a big personality and then you find out he's... He sucks, you know. Yeah. Or is an asshole or is, or is uh, very arrogant throughout the whole thing and all that kind of stuff. Or just gives you bad advice. So, yeah. Or just yeah. gives you bad advice. And that's what's good about these podcasts, man. Like, you get to get insight into some of these folks. And then they make sure you either want to train with them or not. You know, whatever. Yeah. We've yeah, gotten another sure. razzle-dazzle from... from people before on this podcast man we we had a whole like <laughs> we recorded uh, like probably three quarters of an episode with somebody uh and and the first probably 90 percent of that we were just trying to figure out how to end it because we were like this it, it was not at all what he had said happened and like who who he said he was and, yeah and but we, we, we were figured like, it out like on the fly we're like oh this guy's a this guy's a bullshitter man yeah it was it was this it was just you know you live and you learn but we were trying to be polite and like let him talk and at the same time you know like we were like this is this is a complete waste of our time <laughs> and, and like we're never gonna let that let that see the light of day because we don't want to waste no. anybody else's time and that's, oh, that's and just the biggest the, the thing. stuff that he was talking about was so oh man I want I want to see it man <laughs> we get, you, we, you we might, can we can give it to you, but it's it's yeah. not going public because we're not gonna we're not trying to like ruin anyone's reputation. But it was just no. like <laughs> it was just cringeworthy. Like it was there were times that I was like well, I had to like it was rough. Yeah. Well, hey man, uh, you said the word reputation. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily put a lot of stock in reputation because in order to do that, you have to put a lot of stock in other people's opinions. And I put zero stock in other people's opinions. So I don't judge a guy on reputation. Uh, I always give everyone a benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, to get yeah, started anyway. Uh, and if they suck, you have to be man enough to go, hey, you suck. Uh, I'm cutting away. And that's it. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. 
I think benefit of the doubt is something that is in short supply. And, and I don't think it's anyone's fault in particular. I think uh, the internet and, and the political stage has kind of uh, jaded people um, to yeah. giving people the benefit of the doubt. I think people are very comfortable with, with yeah. uh, having opinions at face value and not really going any deeper than that, making up their minds immediately and, and deciding whether or not they want to engage with a person based off of that. But it is it is definitely uh, it's definitely something that's important yeah, man. for sure. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy to be a skeptic uh, with anyone, especially in the modern day here. But, you know, and I'm a skeptical son of a bitch, man. I'm not going to lie. But uh, when it comes to individual, individual, I, well, what what are a little read ahead you guys sent me? There's like politics, right? So let me just jump into it. Awesome. My politics is a libertarian. I'm, I'm a 100% full-blown libertarian. Hey. And. Me too. I, I live my life. I live my life based on Christian values, but I also strongly adhere to uh, Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism. Um, and that right there, you'll give, you'll judge an individual based on individual action and, and indiv- not their reputation or not what somebody else said about them or not what they may have done in the past because you may have fucked something up in the past and then you learn from it and, and now you're better because of it. So, yeah, yeah, and, and it's going to benefit you in the long run to give people the benefit of the doubt because you can cut it off Absolutely. at any time. Yeah. Right, but you might get a isn't lot it, of benefit out of it. Isn't it better to waste a little bit of time up front, um, you know, to, to just to see if there's a possibility that this person is, is legit than to just, like, close yourself off to all opportunities? Yeah. Absolutely, man. Because, hey, check it out. This is what I've learned in my old age here. And you guys, at, well... I'm 50 years old. That's how old I am. Um, But I've only learned in the past, I don't know, four or five years, literally, that networking and working with making new relationships is the way things get done. That is just it. So if you want to be successful, you sort of have to give people the benefit of the doubt in order to fill out any common goals and, and, and move forward with those goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel that. So that, that being said though, um, you know, it, 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 it's, do you feel like that there's anybody that you just will not give the benefit of the doubt to up front? Like, like right off, is there anybody that like right off the bat, like you won't train or you won't work with, um, just because of like what you know about them? Not at specific people, but I mean, like, you know, is there is there like a red flag for a student, uh, for example? Uh, other than the obvious, like if somebody shows up spouting off racist sure. madness or some kind of I'm going to go kill this or that. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's obvious stuff. But if I got no way to back to vet anyone's background. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't do background checks for for people for training. I mean, I, so if they show up and they're a reasonable human. They're yeah. going to train. Uh, if I get an indicator anywhere during that training that you have ill intent or you start, you know, you think we're buddies and you pull me off to the side and start saying a bunch of racist shit or something like that, then I'll, I'll shut it down. But like, yeah, no, I, I'm not going to, I don't, there's nothing that really gives red flags straight away other than the yeah, obvious. I'm sure I mean, the, uh, 
So unlike Kanye, right, I'm not going <laughs> to stand up in class and, and support like Adolf Hitler or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I love Hitler. Now, That's what he said. And I was I like, don't think he was being, I don't necessarily think he was being genuine about. Yeah. I think, I think that he's just. Well, now that guy, he was probably just stirring the pot. Yeah. And that, you know, dude, I, but I'm uh, torn with him because I like, if somebody really had that, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. That, that seems Sorry. like a, a, a really good hard line is ill intent, right? Yeah. You know, if I get the sense that you're going to use what I'm teaching you uh, to, to hurt yeah. someone on purpose. Uh, right, right, you know, right. That's a, that's a good, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good line to draw, I think. I was torn with Kanye at first, yeah. man. I, def- I defended him because I knew he struggled with mental illness. And I was like, you know, he could just be experiencing like – he would talk multiple. He would talk often about his his struggle with mental illness. Yeah, and I was like, well, maybe you know, if he's having a manic episode or something like that. Well, but there's but there's like, a lot of bipolar and manic and schizophrenic people that don't come on but TV they don't and say, say they love well, Hitler. Well, and that's yeah, they don't say I love Hitler and like I liked his <laughs> ideas and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, the, dude, you're digging, you dug your own grave. You could you could yeah. sit in it now. Like, that's. That's fine. I don't really know and if there's a way I, to defend I will this. Total, I would totally believe if somebody came to me and was like, I have inside knowledge that Kanye West does not actually love Hitler. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I believe that. <laughs> you know, but, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't excuse it doesn't like, make it saying right. that kind of thing. Yeah. That's something that I've always talked about with, like, you know, being open and honest about mental illness and, and things like that. Like, I've always, I've struggled with anxiety and, and depression in the past, and uh, you yeah. know, times like in, in that in retrospect, I'd be like, man, I was kind of a dick to this person. Uh, I yeah. am a firm believer that um, your mental illness is not an excuse yeah. for how it's you treat a, it's other people. It's not a get out of jail free card. No, no. And I think like if you if you say yeah, something like I, I love Hitler um, or, you know, like a more relatable thing, like like uh, you're an asshole because you have, you know, a, a, an anxiety attack. And, and in that well, like, moment, okay, so- like. You, well, I, I was I'm saying uh, like, that might be excusable, but that person deserves an yeah. apology also. Yeah. I was diagnosed with major depression when I was a kid and I, I greatly appreciate, um, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm struggling with it, I, gr- I really appreciate it when people are patient with me, but I don't expect it. And I don't, you know, I don't obligate people to me, to myself that way. Um, and I, you know, I will, I will always, um, you know, be sorry for, for, you know, putting a drag on someone's life. Uh, cause I can't, I, you know, I can't handle my, my mental health in, in any given situation. Have you tried just um, smiling more, Andrew? <laughs> I try it all the time, actually. <laughs> no, but yeah. So, but it's the same yeah. way. Um, but yeah, I, I guess he started getting back on track. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's those obvious verbal red flags of, of, you know, saying racist shit. But I think in, in, in a, in a more concrete sense, it's, it's looking for that ill intent or, you know, looking for somebody that's, that's misrepresenting themselves or their reason yeah. for being there. Yeah. And, um, and, and also, um, one of the, one of the methods I have to combat that is anyone that signs up for any of my courses, I've, I usually have three or four conversations with them before, they ever show up to training. So I kind of get a, a sense of, of where these people are at or what their goals are and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I set it up that way yeah. specifically so I could try to get insight into these humans before they show up with live firearms and whatnot. Yeah. Which yeah is that's definitely a good call. Smart. Um, speaking of like 
no bueno politics and and things like that um red flags how how what's your opinion on on this like politicization of being prepared with a firearm and oh, training yeah. um one thing that i've noticed uh since you know the the inception of a better way to a uh is that um i th- i don't think a lot of people are aware that there's people all across the spectrum of politics who train and who you know invest in quality gear and and who things find that like are, community and and yeah. like form a group of dudes exactly and i and i think it's it's kind of outside of the perceived norm from your general anti-gun karen uh who who sees people like that and automatically assumes that they're in oh, it's some a right-wing kind of militia like, yeah, right. Some kind of right wing extremist militia. When in reality, well, this was, dude could be in like the Socialist Rifle Association or something defending. There was a, even a, lo- a like a law. I don't remember if it was passed or proposed or what, but but there was um it was part of the big crackdown in in Virginia, uh when the when the Republicans shit the bed and uh and and lost lost control of the state, um and there was all this new gun control um. And I, I don't remember the exact details or, or even if it was passed, but there was a lot of anxiety over the wording of this bill that basically that on the face of it, it was to crack down on right wing militias. Um, but by the wording of it, it was basically like large groups of people training is, is going to be illegal yeah. or at least get extra oversight. So, yeah. And like in getting at that exactly, my my question is, you know, how do you how do you deal with like the conflation of training with the perception of people being in a right wing militia? Um, it's tough for us to do this because it's not like we can go and shake mom's demand action and be like, understand you idiots. It's not, it's a, it's a lack of communication. As much as you'd love to. (laughs) As much as I'd love to. Um, but, uh, how do you, how do you combat something like that? If at all? Um, well, in, in, in the modern age here, everything is politicized uh, and everyone is divided along s- categories and subcategories and all that shit. Um, I view everyone and everything, every topic and, and every uh, person through the lens of individual liberty. So how does that affect individual liberty? If it's bad, then, then it's no good. Now, how do I combat the perception? Is uh, I don't... I. Well, I'm kind of anti-government, I guess, but uh, I don't run around. <laughs> no. It's Hey, it's everyone's right to go protest and do all that shit. That's fine. But yeah, I conduct yeah. myself with good manners out in public. I conduct myself with good manners when I'm dealing with yeah. other people, whether I like those other people or not. That, that's all. Uh, if you just be a well-mannered human being to your friends and your enemies, the perceptions will probably even out yeah, I think mean, that's true you don't go you know. open carrying and shop right and just verbally accost everyone uh, <laughs> you come across <laughs> yeah no man I don't, you got a problem I don't with me carry. I'm doing nothing illegal <laughs> well but check this out man I equate that so I, I maybe this might be a little little hot button it might be a little controversial but you guys remember the uh the the guy who baked cakes in Colorado and the lesbian couple wanted a cake and then they tried to hammer the fuck yeah. out of that dude. Yeah. Um that's like me going open carry up into like 
the gay bar after the Q, the Club Q shooting a couple weeks ago. That's yeah, like yeah. me going to a gay nightclub, open carry, and going, hey, what the fuck? That, that's kind of the same situation. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, I get that. You don't have to flaunt your, your, your fucking special flower uniqueness or anything necessarily, but check it out. If I treat everybody with good manners, at least on an individual level, they're going to be like, yeah, he's not so bad. They might not agree with whatever. Maybe, maybe yeah. the other guys like politically. Him I agree with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I try to push good manners on people is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think yeah, it really I just comes that. down to treating everybody the same, like treating everybody with, like what you said, like with good manners, with dignity, um, you know, and, yeah, and that's it. I've never heard that comparison before because we've, we've never, you know, we, we hadn't had the Q shooting yet, but um, I, I think when you look at it like that, um, I think it has a lot to do with your environment. And that's just like, like the Connecticut, the state that I live in is an open carry state. You can open carry. Um, because there's no distinction on our permit uh, that says whether it's a concealed or an open carry permit. It's just a license to a permit to carry pistols and revolvers, right. it says. But, but you probably also don't have any protections where open carrying a gun is not considered probable cause for a stop, right? Well, no, you are technically, but where they get you is that uh, they can get you with disturbing the peace. If somebody complains oh, you that you're open carrying, then all of a sudden it is disturbing the peace, and now they have a reason to, uh, now you can get arrested, now all that fun stuff. Um so that's like, you know, knowing your knowing where you where where you're at, knowing your audience and and not uh, you know, not open carrying in, in Connecticut because you know what it's going to be like even though it's right. legal. Yeah, uh well, first of all, I'm it's too bad that you guys are oppressed to the point that you have to get a permit. <laughs> I agree. Hey, hey, I agree. I that's in, it. I Texas, Georgia just man. now I'm... went constitutional carry about about 8 months. <laughs> oh, there you go. Georgia just went uh, constitutional Beautiful. carry probably, I don't know, eight months ago or some sometime last year, maybe. Um, That's awesome. I still maintain my carry permit. Yeah. For rep- reciprocity yeah, in other states and uh, makes it easier to go buy a gun and shit like that. But so I'll maintain it. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't open carry um, just from just from a legal perspective, whatever. But open carry to me invites 100%. challenge. It invites predators to to do predatory yep. shit. I agree with so you 100. percent I don't want to give them. If I was going to shoot up a, a building and and I saw a dude open carrying, you'd be the first person I'd shoot. I think it's I think it's really situational, right? Um, you know, uh, I, I I lived in Arizona for a while, and not that I would shoot up a building, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's going to be taken out of context and plastered somewhere. Oh yeah, That's going on. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's like. So we spent a lot of time like just like going out to the desert and shooting and a lot of times we'd be in like comfortable clothes and we wouldn't really, you know, we'd be like just carrying our guns around uh, afterwards or beforehand um, or if, you know, we were going to the shooting range. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it just didn't make sense for us to really worry about, um, you know, uh, concealment. But I would say that that generally I agree that you know in a tactical sense it's 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 not really controversial to say that concealed carry is is a better idea than open carry. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that like, um, but I think it's like you guys said too. It's like know your know your situation, know your know your ge- geography, and your and <laughs> the people that you're going to be around, right? 
you know, and, and don't be disrespectful. If you're going to a place you know that people are going to be uncomfortable, um, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes normalizing guns is not about just showing people guns when they're scared of them. Yeah, that doesn't help in any situation if somebody's scared of something. And right. If you're scared of sharks, putting them in a shark tank you is know, not going to make them more well, comfortable. You know, if you're talking about like facing your fears in a controlled environment, that's fine. But I'm not your therapist. I'm not going to like <laughs> come and like get you through yeah. your fear of guns. Yeah, somebody wearing a mom's demand shirt probably doesn't isn't going to change their opinion by watching you open carry in a in a shopping mall. Yeah, wouldn't that be something though? No. Nope. Uh, so you you posted a video the other day. I know this is a incredible transition, but um, it's something that I've heard people talk about on the Cybernart podcast multiple times. Um, something that I myself am definitely guilty of of lacking in uh, as much as I as much as I. Uh, could be doing it, but um, you were—I think you were on a track in a plate carrier the other day doing a run. Oh yeah! And uh, I get the impression somehow—I have no idea what would lead me to that conclusion—that physical fitness is something that is very important to you. Do you think that is something that kind of falls under the purview of anybody who decides to carry a gun should be, to the best of their ability, physically fit, as far as like from a self-defense perspective, or? Uh, do you think that that is like that? That's just like an extra level. That's something that people can work on, like if they if they feel like it. Uh, well, first of all, one has nothing to do with the other. They they both complement each other. Uh, you should be some. You should attempt to be fit just so you live longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm marginally fit for a 50 year old guy. I know a lot of ultra fit dudes. And I would like to be more fit, but uh, yeah, you have to be able to, if all things being equal, if you and I got in a fight and the, the fittest dude would yeah. win, that, that, that's how it breaks down. If you and I were the same in every way, except physical fitness, uh, the, the, you're going to outlast me. Yeah. So yeah, fitness. Yeah. You should, you should try to be fit, right? All the courses we do, especially in the other the uh, Southern Ornithological League stuff, you, you need to be a fair level of fitness to go out there and participate. But, I mean, think about that. Uh, when you see a video of a cop chasing down oh, yeah. a dude, oh, yeah. and the cop is not only wearing body armor and, and belt, but he's also about fucking 40 pounds overweight, and the dude looks like he weighs about 135, and he's a fucking sprinter. Uh, like, fitness benefits every part of life so yeah yeah and plus if you're a big fat fucker uh <laughs> you're not going to be able to appendix carry you're going to have to carry over yeah, here on the a, side that's a something. problem i run into uh i'm i'm, I'm too uh i got too much of a, a stomach for uh, appendix are you a big I, are you well, a fatty? I wouldn't say i'm a i'm a, a yeah, little I'm bit a bit of little a fatty bit. andrew something that he doesn't talk about though andrew's a power lifter i would call you yeah. because of how much fucking weight you lift sure yeah, and yeah. So I, I feel like after a certain extent, like granted, yeah, sure, like we could all be in better shape, but but I I like to give him more credit than like the the person that you know eats pizzas on their couch well, being, all day. Being fat is not always necessarily uh, an indicator of of your general yeah. level of fitness. A lot of times, being fat's correlated with uh, the kind of lifestyle that leads to poor fitness. Um, but you know, especially in in the realm of powerlifting, I know lots of guys that are fat as me or fatter than me. Uh, that are very fucking strong, but yeah. we can't carry appendix. 
<laughs> yeah, and might not be able to like fight a dude for you know five minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's something yeah, that yeah. like talk about humbling experiences, man. Oh, sorry, I um, I like I I used to do jujitsu, and I say used to like I I honestly couldn't I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag anymore. But um, there that was one of the things that humbled the fuck out of me also because you think like you're gonna fight with a dude and. You know, it's going to be over in 30 seconds to a minute, whatever. You're just going to punch him in the face a couple times like they do in the movies and knock a guy out. But you roll with a guy who who is your size uh, or even like it has nothing to do with size, to be honest. But somebody who who has good cardiovascular endurance and like there were times where I was like, if I had to fight this dude in real life, I'd 100 percent die. Like if it was a fight to the death, I'd be dead. Yeah. And that's crazy. fucking yeah. humbling. Endurance is wild, man. Um it's something that I, I've run into a bunch of times where it's like, like walking. Like, can you, can, can either of you guys remember the last time you just got like tired from walking anywhere? No, no. Uh, well, yeah, no. Nobody gets tired from walking, right? Lots of people get fucking tired from walking. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I go on, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know, I don't, it's, 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 it's so wild that it's like, you know, if, uh, I, I'm not gonna like call anybody out, but it's just like, I've run into a bunch of time, uh, into this a bunch of times, just casually on vacation or just going downtown with people. You know, it's like, oh yeah, let's. Uh, this is only like three miles away. Let's walk here, and they're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean walk three miles? And like people that are like not in like visibly poor shape will be like, I don't, I don't know what you mean walk three miles. <laughs> and maybe it's maybe it's like a Texas thing because nobody walks here and it's hot all the time. You know. Like, well, that's know. yeah. If it's Texas is anything like Florida, like the couple times I've been to Florida, there's no fucking way that I want to walk anywhere. I've walked in Florida. Yeah. What? Well, whatever. Go for it. You're you're <laughs> spoiled in Connecticut, man. You're there with your fair weather up there. Fair weather. It's thirty-two degrees outside right now. You don't have that in Texas. I'm jealous. I want it. Anyway, I'll take the, I'll, take, I'll take freezing weather <laughs> over this shit. Edgar, how's the weather in Georgia right now? Uh, it's been raining for a few days. It's going to rain for a few more. It's probably in the fifties outside, though. It's pretty humid. Do you have in the, uh, rain dates for your training, or if? Do you subscribe to the belief that uh, if it's if it ain't raining, we're not training? Uh, honestly, that depends on the class, uh, what the what the learning objectives are. So I just moved. We have a mid-range carbine course that was meant to be last week, uh, but it was raining, and the range that we were going to use was really uh, nasty, and we were going to be laying in the prone for a lot of that. So I didn't. At some point, you lose learning value if you're just out there sucking for no good reason. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. If it were <laughs> just a, becoming if it was part a, of the Earth soup, if it was a dynamic <laughs> two gun course or something like an action course, yeah, we'll fucking just keep going. It sucks a little bit, but that's kind of uh, yeah. So it depends on the course, depends on the humans. Uh, I actually rescheduled two two people today for next week because of the rain. Well, we had a storm last week and it broke my fucking tent. So my 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 logo tent was that destroyed. Blows. That's sick. <laughs> so I'm, I got a new oh, one nice, on the way. Nice. Um speaking of yeah, so you, you were saying that I love how I have to say you were saying like it's something that people didn't just hear 10 seconds ago. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you canceled for the two people. Do you? Uh, do you have a preference, like whether you go with large or small classes, or do you think there's like a uh, like compromises or benefits to doing either? Small small classes, man. That's how I do it. Uh, partly because my range is only so big, yeah. I got a pretty small range. But yeah. right now, in in this point in my business, I'm the I'm the primary instructor, uh, and. You know, anything more than 10 people, I'm going to over overlook someone. I'm going to, so I keep it yeah. at, at 10 people. That, that's it. I squeeze a lot so of, I squeeze like a lot a, of, uh, like a, like a stuff into one. You. 10 people is the mat. Yeah, that's it. Um, I put a lot of information in my classes. So the time is very, the time is very precise. The round count and everything like that is very structured. Uh, so if I had to do two different firing lines, for instance, uh, we wouldn't be able to get everything done and a value. Yeah. Well, I put a lot of value in putting out as much information as possible that can be absorbed. Uh, if that makes any sense. So the more people are there, the, the less information yeah. I can put out that gets absorbed. So 10 people is my max. That's my cutoff. Do you have, uh, like, are there certain classes that you think people would benefit more from doing one-on-one than doing group classes? Or do you think that if you're, if, if you, do you think people can get the same thing out of a group class that they can out of an, out of an individual class? Like, aside from just, you know, being shy with or, a gun and things like that. Or do you think that there's a benefit to, to being in a group? Yeah. There is. Yes, there's a benefit to shooting in a group. However... Uh, I think that's skill level dependent. So, and, and it goes both ways. I have uh, like ranked USPSA guys come out and shoot in one-on-one courses because they want to work on a very specific thing. They want to shave tenth of a second off of their draw or or something. And on the flip side of that, uh, brand new shooters, if they're shooting in a class with other people, they get an opportunity to see other people doing fucked up things. And then you get training opportunity to explain why that's fucked up or why that's good or whatever. And so, or someone might ask a question that they wouldn't, that they don't feel comfortable asking or something. So there's a benefit to being in a group. Yeah. And, and so there's benefit to both. Yep. There really is. That's cool. That's, I definitely, I personally enjoy taking group classes more than, than individual classes only because, uh, like I'm, I have the kind of personality that, that does well with other people, uh, like me being able to see other people do your show off your show better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I show off these, these ridiculous skills that I have. Um, but, uh, I, I like watching repetition. Like I like watching people do the thing over and over again. And it's hard when you're doing something yourself to, analyze the mistakes that you're making. And I think when you see somebody yep, else make a right. mistake, like, if you're the first person to go in class, that's always the least ad- advantageous place to be. But yep. uh, <laughs> it's somebody has to do it. And if you're going to make a mistake, then you're helping somebody else out. Um, but that's, that's right. always worked out well for me. And I, I, I enjoy taking group classes because of that. I feel like um, people, people depending on their learning style, definitely, definitely uh, could benefit from that. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to end yep. that sentence. <laughs> That happens at least well, once I concur. an episode. <laughs> I, I concur with what you're saying. And 
just as a small anecdote, like I won't have the same person go first every time on, on drills just for that specific purpose. The first guy always gets fucked. So I always change up who's going first. I do that in my yeah. competitions and I do it in the, in the courses as Unless well. Unless you really don't like him. Yeah. Well, I just, if, if that's the case, I normally just tell, tell him that. <laughs> not on the record, Jordan. Not like that. Not on the record. Yeah, no. Edgar likes everyone who comes to his classes and he's extremely professional and will not embarrass you in front of the class. Uh, uh, I, now, hey, I don't do that. Now, we have a little playful ball busting for sure. But uh, my goal, so I don't run like yeah. boot camp style fucking courses. My goal is to make everyone better, not like belittle the shit yeah, out of them. That makes sense. And I've seen some classes like that where, but I think people also know what they're signing up for when they get into something like that. But um, I think it could be a detriment to the uh, the learning that uh, that that takes place there when when you're doing that. And I think a lot of it tends to be gimmicky. That's just my opinion. Um, I think a lot of people who didn't go to the like into the military want to be treated like they're in the military to see what it's like, and they somehow use that as a uh, like as a as a badge of of honor, like they went through something. But I've always found those classes, unless it's like a fitness only course, which you know, if you have a theme, you have a theme. Um, I don't. I personally don't see the point in including any of that in like a firearms course. Nah, I'll leave that to Speaking the other of dudes. Your classes, there's there's uh. I don't know why I keep saying that. <laughs> um, you Speaking I of got, this thing we're talking speaking about. Speaking of this thing that we've been talking about for the last <laughs> hour and change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the current subject. Yeah, yeah. On the, on the topic that we've currently been discussing. You, uh, going back to the Southern Ornithological League, um, I got that email from you asking when, uh, like when dates would be best for people, which dates would work best for people for, for that specific class that you were putting on. Um, are you able to do that because the classes are small and more like more focused? Uh, cause I thought that was really cool that you, you asked people for, for their input on that instead of just scheduling something and you know, whoever makes it makes it, uh, or, or is that kind of like, is that kind of what people can expect when signing up for classes like that? Is a, is a, is a more um, personal aspect to it like that? Well, the Southern Ornithological League is a sort of a member group, right? Uh, you got to be invited to, to be able to get on that website or at least all the other pages on the website other than the homepage. But uh, yeah, cool. everybody who I've invited to that, I know in some way uh, or I want to work with in some way. And yeah, why not put it out uh, and get feedback? Now, I don't do that with my OSS courses because I run courses two or three, four times a month. I mean, I always got something going on in OSS. But Southern Ornithological League, those courses are like once a year, twice a year type courses. So yeah, it's good to get feedback. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, and it was uh, it was it was cool that you did that and and. You know, I had this thought in my head, like, oh, it'd be sick to fly down to Georgia and, and take, like, a search and rescue mountaineering course. And then I think, like, because we do rope rescue at, at my job, but I'm thinking, like, I, I took a step back. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'd ever, I'd, I'd be in the same league at this time. Uh, I don't know what you guys work on, but that would be something that would be cool to do in the future if that was something that was, that I was prepared for in any way. No, don't, see, there, there's, don't, don't overestimate what's going on. The course is a teamwork and leadership-based course. 
If you show up never having climbed a mountain in your life, you're still going to train on how to tie knots, how to rig up uh, harnesses. We're going to build a three-to-one system, and we're going to actually go rescue a dude. But uh, the guy, so my partner who's doing this with me, Nathan, um, he 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 runs a higher ground, higher ground USA here in Rome, and uh, he is a fucking certified yep. on all kind of stuff mountaineer. Um, but the mountaineer stuff is just the theme. That's just the flavor. It's teamwork and, and leadership is what's going on there. That's the deep, deep value. If you get out there and That's you're awesome. a, a danger to yourself and others, yeah, we're going to tune you up to make you safe. Uh, but you're not going to walk out of this class with any kind of certification as, <laughs> as a search and rescue mountaineer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's good to know. That's because um, you know one one thing I've been I've been trying to branch out and plan a little bit more is is going out to these some of these people that I meet from doing a better way to a and there's there's a bunch of things that yeah I've gotten and Andrew you should I would love for you to come with me um, yeah be my mandate but uh, there is like well, like one thing that I'm trying to get through next year is the um, uh, what the hell's it called oh my god woodland survival woodland. No. Woodland Brutality. Woodland Brutality. Holy shit. Yeah, the in-range one. Yeah. Well, look, what ended up happening was I asked a bunch of people, hey, what would you like to see a better way to A at? And and that was something that people brought up multiple times. And for somebody who doesn't compete as, as much as I should, uh, I think that would be fun. But um, mainly just going around and, and uh, we had a baby this year, so this year wasn't going to work. But... Is that a, is that a competition? Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a competition that uh, that uh, the in range guys run, uh, Carl Casarda and 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 some other people. And it's cool because it kind of combines fitness with marks marksmanship, and they have uh, a bunch of different. Um, I think with that one, they have eight eight uh, courses of fire. Yeah, um, and it just looks cool. They had one. They they just had one. Yeah, I've looked at this before. Yep, yep. Yeah, it seems like a good time. Um, and and for somebody who's never done like, well, hey guys, April. Uh, the OSS challenge is coming in April, my man. Talk about that. What is that? It, it's a similar thing. It's a. I think we did so. We got one. We do one in April. That's a two day thing, and that's the Mogadishu Mile OSS challenge, and then we do a one day in April, and it's just a bunch of physical, brutal. Uh, shooting stages. Um, so the one day is probably going to have five stages. Um, but I got 20 acres. My property here is I got 20 acres and it's, <laughs> it's mountainous acres. So, uh, you get to run up oh, yeah. and down some hills and shoot some guns and you get to pick up uh, rescue Randy's and climb ropes and all kind of stuff. So, but it's a very similar thing. This is becoming yeah. a popular thing. This tactical shooting uh, competition stuff, it's getting real popular. Uh, the tactical games, this uh, woodland brutality thing. There's another one called, well, shit, it escapes me right now, but uh, yeah. running yeah. gun, something like that. But it's, I think it's, it's cool, man, because concept. you know, I, I used to think that. So, yeah, I'm doing my own version of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to check that out, man, and get my fucking ass smoked because that would that's definitely what's going to happen but oh yeah um that's all part of the it's all part of the the fun um stress inoculation baby yeah god why am i like this why did i say <laughs> that a lot of firefighters come out to that one too but oh yeah that's cool yeah probably no firefighters uh that that uh yeah 
actually, never mind. I'm not going to shit on them. You should. You should. Um, you should bring some of your <laughs> your firefighting buddies out there and just uh, show them a good time. I know a couple people that would be interested. I uh, I just have to get them to commit to, to drive more than like an hour. Um, I want to do this stuff this year, uh, but I've got a I've got a brand new little baby coming right around that time, um, and that's a very. It's gonna be both woodland and brutality and 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 um, the uh, OSS challenge are gonna be right at a, like a very crucial time. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's like I couldn't I don't think I can even justify like a couple days. Uh, well, that's why you had your first house. kid, right? To help take care of the second. You can leave. He's I'm not. Sure he's not. Your wife would love that. His training isn't advanced <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. He's not ready. Um. What I was gonna say is, I think it's cool. Hey, don't worry, man. They'll they'll be they'll be on autopilot by the time they reach twenty seven. There you so go. Yeah, that's and then just... I can finally leave the house. <laughs> you got a couple more years before that, but it's coming. Yeah. Um, as what I was what, what I was saying, we could we could edit that out and and post. Um, what I was saying before, <laughs> you don't was... have to say we could edit it out and post. You could just edit it out and post. <laughs> Yeah, but if I if I don't say that, then I, then I'm probably going to be listening to it while doing I'll something else. I'll just skip over it, <laughs> like I normally do, and I'll forget about it completely. Now, if there's a minute long segment pointing out my awkwardness, I will know to edit out the whole thing. Yeah. Um, also, because we forgot to we forgot to write down notes on what we need to cut out. <laughs> oh well, I have to listen to the whole thing anyway. So yeah, it go. is what it is. Um, what I was going to say before um, <laughs> is that I think it's cool that people are putting together these activities with shooting because I I saw like with the, with the popularity growth of CrossFit uh, as like working out. And then you have like these things like the tough mutter and Spartan race getting super popular. Um, I think it's just the natural progression to bring shooting into it because there are people who love going to these things who also happen to shoot. And it, it is something that I feel like gives people not only like a feeling of accomplishment, because how often do you get to do those things and, and test yourself like that? But it's it's a it's a camaraderie building uh, experience because you know you you sweat with your friends, you're you're tired with your friends, you're and you're also shooting shit like which is just fucking fun and <laughs> putting that stuff together just just sounds like a really good yeah. idea. Like in in 2022 when when. We are where we are politically and with the gun community. I, I just think it's really cool to to have things like that where we can do them together or individually, but you're in a group suffering. Um, I just think it's really neat, and uh, I think it's cool that you guys are doing something similar to that. Yeah, well, my region here in northwest Georgia is uh, it's kind of dry on, like, really good shooting things. Good. There's not even really good ranges up here. It, it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, I'm offering something. I'm filling a gap right now that, that exists. And my future plans, hopefully uh, hopefully by next year, we're, we're breaking ground on a bigger range. Um, my partner, Justin, uh, we're, we're always looking for land and, and stuff. So we have a, a plan for a 20-acre range, like proper 20-acre footprint. That's awesome. And that's going to be epic. So stay tuned for that. You know what I mean? It's gonna be good, man. I want, I want a place like that. Yeah, I thought I moving was going to be. We we lived in an apartment in the city before my wife and I moved out here, and I have a uh, a third of an acre <laughs> right now, which seems massive to me compared to what we had. 
but it, at least it's it's butted up against the woods. I can go hiking in and stuff like that. And there's there's water company property across the street. And this is like you guys are probably laughing right now because Andrew, you you've got desert to fucking go shoot in. And Edgar, you're on no, twenty twenty R. You know? I live in Texas, not Arizona, man. Didn't you say you just you shoot in the desert? I used to when I lived in Arizona. Oh, I didn't know you lived in Arizona. For like five years. Oh, all right. Well, excuse me if I don't know. Your, uh, we don't have desert in Texas. Uh, no, I know you don't. Until you get to like El Paso area. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying is, I've got woods, which is which is cool. <laughs> I can go hiking now. Like I've got water company property, which has like miles yeah, and miles and miles stupid. of trails. I, yeah, I feel like a fucking idiot. Thanks, Andrew. Um, but, uh, it's, it's nice, like, to be able to do that, like, I can put a pack on, I can go, I can go hike in the woods for, for eight hours and not hit the same trail twice. Yeah, um, man, I would love woods. Yeah, well, that's so funny, because I would love a desert to shoot out in. But, but, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I've got, a, I've got a creek trail. That's the that's the next best thing. But uh, you know, it's it, you'd get funny looks. Uh, you know, wrecking gear through there because it's yeah. paved. Oh yeah, that'd be weird. Unless you were like those dudes that are uh, doing like like charity hikes for vets with the American flag and the silkies. Which, like, you yeah. know, as a Marine, I've always wanted to do. I fucking hate that I just said as a Marine. But as a Marine. <laughs> the Silkies That's like me going as a like libertarian. Fun. As a libertarian. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but that, those I always do. seem like a good time. Like those fun, uh, those fun, uh, like they're for charity and you go and you get drunk and go walk 15K with, <laughs> with friends in Silkies. Get shit-faced and go get heat stroke. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully not, but. Well, that's cool, man. Um, Edgar, what are your? I know you just said this. Uh, you're you're looking for land, but what are your plans for the future of OSS and uh, like m- maybe more long term plans than just getting more acreage? Um, where do you see this going, like five, ten years from now? Well, <clears throat> funny that you mentioned charity. So that's that's uh, the long term goal is once the big range is built. Um, we want to try to shape out some way to, to help out with, um, homeless veteran situation. Uh, and I don't know how that looks yet, but I'm, I'm imagining something like a bunkhouse and some employment and I don't know, man, I, I, there's, I got a lot of thoughts on that, that, and that's not my field of expertise. So, but I want to be able to, to do some, some serious charity work behind, you know, attached to the gun stuff uh, and I mean like really long term you know I hope that my son can step in and, and take over and me and my wife go buy a boat <laughs> you know what I mean yeah that would be uh, carry the, the torch around on the water with no clothes on yeah that would be the dream man that's uh that sounds awesome I I, I think that's that's a really noble cause to get into and and uh you know, even if even if the scale isn't as big as you want to, I think that's always something that you can do, and and even in a smaller a smaller sense. But that's that's really cool that uh, that's that's your goal, and I I think based on the stuff that you've shown us and, and the stuff that I've seen, I I think it's completely possible that you get to that point at some point. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna happen uh, next year. In fact, the the October Mogadishu Mile OSS Challenge. That is going to be uh, our first big charity. I'm going to do that as a charity event. This past year, I just did it just to cover costs. 
of putting the fucking thing on uh, because it costs a lot of money to get uh, various apparatus and stuff. But uh, the next Mogadishu Mile is going to, we're going to do that as a charity event. And based on the success of that, we'll have a good foundation to, to move on from there. And, and I haven't figured out how I'm going to work the Southern Ornithological League in, into the charity business yet, but that's coming as well. Um, I mean, it, basically, I'm one business. OSS is the LLC. Southern Ornithological League is, just falls under that. Yeah. So it's all, it's all the same. But um, I think I might have the capacity to build uh, a bigger more affluent client base under the Southern Ornithological League. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, people with money help with charity, <laughs> man. That's, it's just, that's the way it is. So. Yeah, for sure. There's, yeah, that's, that sounds awesome, yeah. man. And I, I, uh, I would love to do something like that. We've, we've been, I've been, I don't know if I've told Andrew, but trying to figure out how to turn a better way into a nonprofit, um, to better, better expand the footprint of uh, of assistance that we can give rather than just giving, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there to the different mutual aid groups. Um, I think that's really like what it, what it comes down yeah. to, man, is like, you know, giving back to the community and making the community better. And whether that community is homeless veterans or, you know, people 100%. in inner cities, like I, I think it's just, we all benefit like a rising tide floats all ships. And, um, I think it's cool seeing uh, yeah. seeing a group like yours and and a page like yours um, advocating for stuff like that because that's that's one thing that's always pissed me off. You know, I see homeless vets used as like a poker chip in politics time and time again. You know, it, it, you've got conservatives complaining that the homeless that we have homeless vets and and that's why we shouldn't give money to people, uh, and then you've got liberals saying that we have homeless vets and that's why we need to get more money for this program. And there's still homeless vets. And like, regardless of what happens, there's still dudes on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Programs are garbage. And there are some really good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. Like, and, but even like, look at the VA, the VA is so different depending on which one you go to. Like we're lucky up here to have a good one, um, in, in Connecticut. But like, I, I have a friend of mine who's a nurse who used to, who worked at a VA down South and, uh, I forget where exactly, but she said it was garbage. And like, you know, she started there and now she works at a, at a hospital, but, um, like a, like a privately funded hospital. But, uh, it's a shame, you know, that, that, uh, it's just, this is my tangential like topic that I, I just fucking hate oh, yeah. how homeless vets are always used as like, as a, as a talking point, but nothing ever it's seems like to change. And just political capital. Yeah. Because whether whether you agree, you know, politically or whatever, with the war. Well, no, that's right. Political Sorry, stuff. So, my uh, being being an Ayn Rand follower, people will say, "Oh, well, you believe in uh, you're selfish and this and that." And I am selfish to a degree, to where I think I need to be at my best. I need to be a hundred percent, so that I can help other people. I, it's my choice to help other people, and if I can, I will. I'm not doing it because of any sense of my church told me to or because uh, any altruistic reason against somebody else's moral judgment. Uh, I do it because I I believe in, I, I don't believe we should have homeless vets. There shouldn't be anyone homeless. Um, but if I'm able to, at the local level, because that's where I, I think things happen is at the local level. 
Um, if I can put five veterans in an apartment or like little tiny home, whatever, and give them six, eight, 12 months of breathing space and elbow room to not have to worry about getting stabbed or going hungry, and they can take a shower and wash their nutsack and their pits, the important and then thing. get up in the morning and go pick up brass or go do maintenance on the range yeah. and hang out with other dudes who are just dudes. Um, and it might get them in a mental space that they can uh, maybe be productive and maybe save, pay them a wage and then give them some elbow room, man. Uh, and then hopefully, hopefully that becomes successful. Um, it's small, small in scale. But hey, it's better than helping no one, right? Helping two guys is better than helping yeah, no one. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That's dope as hell. That's that is that is uh Yeah. I, the, I think uh, that, the leftists call that praxis. Yeah, as they do. And I think it's talking about politics for a second here, I think it's call it what? I'm not familiar with the leftists. <laughs> oh no, just uh <laughs> just like like doing things, like going out and actually doing things, not just being like, you know, caught up in like reading books about politics and developing theory. Direct action. A, yeah. Yeah. No, you got to do things. Yeah. You got to do things. Talking about it's whatever. I, I think it's neat. You know, I, I, I fucking hate politics. I, uh, I've, Andrew and I have had long conversations about how, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, normal to feel almost like alienated or like you're on your own little island as far as your beliefs go. Um, but there's, there's a, I love having people on this show who have different beliefs um, than some of our listeners or some of the people that follow the page. Because one thing that I've always tried to tell people is that we are more alike than we are different and that we need to go out and talk to your neighbors more often. Because if you do that, instead of just uh, assuming you know 100%. about them based on what you've heard on TV or on social media, you're you're more likely to be surprised that you're, you're alike in so many other ways sure, sure. than you are different. And, you know, you Andrew calls himself a libertarian with a with a lowercase L, and like you know, yeah. obviously, obviously you're saying you're a libertarian, and I think libertarians get a bad rap for being, uh, like you said, like selfish, you know, and and sure, just because they say they're for personal liberties, and by saying personal liberties, it means not helping anybody else, and voluntarism means well, not, you know, also also because some some of the. I mean, libertarian, libertarianism is sometimes a very big uh, umbrella, right? But and, so is and, liberalism or conservatism. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I, and I, I think sometimes the way that people express it is is sometimes misunderstood. Um, and I, I, this is a really good example, right? Where it's like, I I would not consider myself uh, Ayn Rand's uh, biggest fan, um, but I think that her the way she's characterized, the way her work is characterized, sometimes as being like you know like like hating poor people or whatever. I, I think that that's a, uh, I think that that's not true. And I think that this is a really good example uh, of the, you know, the way that people in, interpret yeah, objectivism yeah. Uh, does not necessitate um, like being cruel uh, or uncaring. Well, there's a meme out there and it's a say, I don't know who said it originally, but it, it's true as hell. Uh, because I object to the government doing a thing doesn't mean I object to that thing being right, done. Right. I love that. I just think individuals should be doing these yeah. things. And not to mention, uh, I think the local, I think your your community is where it starts, and that's it. And the government shouldn't be doing fucking anything. 
in my and opinion. I always found it, you know, so if I can just maintaining defense of our borders. Yeah. If if I can just like you know alienate some of our audience for a minute, you know, I always found it interesting that um, uh, <laughs> left you know leftists have this 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 big. Um, uh, they have a lot of energy for community action, right? You know, I, I find that very often it's 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 the leftists that are the ones getting out there, you know, hitting the streets, doing things for their community. Um, but then they'll turn around and be like, well, the government should be doing this. And I, I find it very strange then that the people that are most often, and I'm not talking about you, uh, I'm, I'm talking about in a very general sense, um, you know, like small government right wing types um, that are very much like, you know, I don't I don't want the government doing anything. Very often I find that they are people who are sitting at home just talking, you know. Yeah. Um, but but these are generalizations and people are individuals. You're, and, you're right. on. Sorry, on a, we've got the lag. Well, you're right. You're you're right. And you're wrong. And here's where you're right. The left is very good about getting out and beating the streets um, on these grassroots campaigns. Where they go wrong is that they then want the government to mandate whatever right, their right. cause was like to, for everybody in take over, America. like do do what we're doing, and it like, doesn't make fit it mandatory because it it that yeah, but their community, whatever they needed, it doesn't fit everywhere else in America. Right. So those programs, as soon as you hand something over. To the federal government, it turns to shit. So that's where they go south. And then you said right-wing conservatives are for small government. I call bullshit on that. Yeah, uh, no, that's, they that's like big government. They just so like different they, big government. They, a lot of them yes. say um, they're for small government, um, but then then when you look at what they do, maybe that's not necessarily uh, the case. Yeah, they they say that. What they mean is they don't want their taxpayer dollars going to welfare programs. They want all their taxpayer dollars going to military and, 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 and such sure. so that those stocks can keep turning and making profits yeah. on fucking, uh, defense companies and, and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So any, anything that has to do with big government is bad. And that's just the way it is. In my opinion, um, to me, the, the nexus, the, the thing that's important, it, it's community. So if me and two of my friends go out and help some, one person, two per people, uh, and then those people are, able, and then it just grows out from there. That's Im decentralized. That's yeah. the key word for mm -hmm. the day. Guys. That's impossible for you to believe that because you're a libertarian and you're selfish. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree completely, and I'm always harping on it. Uh, well, that's what people think. Yeah, I, I don't hate people. No, uh, you know, I love people. I want people to be well uh, because if if the guy who's on the corner down the uh, who, who's homeless, um, if 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 we help him get off the street and get into a house and get a job, who knows what that guy can do? Right. Like, he might become the greatest. I don't know what fucking something I need. He may become somebody that helps me someday. Even when if I he need doesn't it. become the greatest of something, he's off the fucking street and he's happier yeah. for it. You know, and that's like I, I've always been the kind of He's off the yeah. street. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I've always, this, this might upset people, but, um, I've always been of the mindset that like, you know, college, the reason college is so fucking expensive is because people keep paying for it. 
um, you, you know, that's like, stop, that's like, 100% no, correct. No, no, but, I, but, because, but people will, like, like I, I have friends of mine. Because the government keeps paying. Yeah, it's, well, people, that's, people this keep is going, my, yeah. and the government keeps, you know, like, uh, as, as long as it's subsidized, the, the, the price is going to keep going up. Well, the, that's know, the course, thing that I, I was talking about with, like, you know, Biden's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, school loan forgiveness. The thing, like, if these... And I and as somebody who believes that private companies still should be able to operate as private companies, um, if these private companies are are still encouraged by the market to charge what they're charging, and even more so because the government is paying for it, they have no incentive to lower their prices. If people stop going to college right. and go into the trades, let's say, then these schools have to drop their prices. That's just the way that the market works. And like I, what I was saying before or what i was going to say is that you know i i don't think people i think people have this idea of the american dream that you you are going to be the best and the greatest at the thing that you do and i don't necessarily think that everyone needs to be the best and the greatest at everything they do because if everyone was the best (laughs) i'm not the best at anything no no neither am i and 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 well i'm I'm maybe the best at a few things Uh, i'm the best at uh I don't know, being the person who makes the memes for a better way to a, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) debatable, (laughs) but like, you know, like bringing, for example, like bringing a guy who's homeless off the street. Um, and, and I know you didn't, you didn't mean this at at all like that. Uh, but, but like, you know, saying like, well then, you know, he's he could help me out in the future or something, or he could help somebody else out in the future. Like, I think the world needs people who are just, who just exist. Also, like, because without, if everybody was the best, nobody would be the best. I uh, know. I hear you. And and I know you didn't mean it like that. But check, but, but check it out. You, you, you don't misinterpret what I mean by he might be able to help me in the future yes, sure. in, in a tangible. He might be the light of somebody's fucking life. Yeah. Do, do you, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. He, he might be the guy who ju- just as an example somebody else noticed that he got himself up off the streets and he might have affected that person's life profoundly without ever saying a word to him. That's what I mean by that. Yeah. 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 Uh, it it doesn't mean he's going to be able to come mow my lawn later on. <laughs> yeah, right. That's not, that's not what Although I'm that would be nice. It, it means, well, oh, what I'm saying is everybody has an effect on people around yeah, them in some sure. way. So he, he may end up being, somebody's fucking reason to live yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's not about can he physically I just help, looking at help. people that way is so helpful. Well, yeah, everybody's got a story, man. And, and most people that are homeless may, you know, they might be there because of bad decisions or whatever, but fuck man. Like you can condemn people for so long. Like you got to give them a chance to unfuck themselves and, and maybe they need a little help or maybe, you know, there are circumstances in this world, man, that, you know, you make a couple bad decisions and you're, you're done. So you got to cut, cut somebody a yeah. break once in yeah, a while. For sure. Um, now there's some guy, there's some guys out there that might be bad humans that are homeless and you cut them a break and then they're going to go murder somebody or something. You don't know that. Uh, and you can't know that un- until you've, you know, are we going to say, well, he deserves to be homeless, but he doesn't. Now you got to split hairs on who, who's there and why, and, right. and who gets to make those decisions and that kind of shit. 
So like who it's deserves very, help, right? Very yeah. complex problem. And I, I, I know it's a very complex problem. Like the city of Atlanta can't just go build a 10,000 well, houses and, and house people in them. There's still going to be problems there, but. Right. Um, but that's why the community is so important. But that's the argument for decentralization, isn't it? And that's what it yeah, oh, sorry. exactly. You're going to talk about community. That is exactly correct. Because it, it, you, somebody might know that guy. Somebody went to school. It's with a that complex guy. problem, like you said. And so I think it's so it's so strange to think that like one group of people has the answer for this entire problem, right? And it doesn't it make so much more sense for there to be a lot of different answers that different people will find at different times. And so, you know, yeah, like your local community, your, you know, your individual actions, I think are so much more important than any sort of like federal policy. 100%, man. You have to, yeah, you have to personalize these solutions and it can't be done yeah, at federal that's, level. You know, I, I forget the phrase, but I'm, and I'm going to fuck it up. Um, but uh, it's something like, you know, at the, on my family level, I'm a communist on my town level. Man, you've level, been recorded I'm, saying this I've, like I've said this so many times, fucking times and, and I still time. don't know it. <laughs> but but it's essentially saying like the scale of, of, of influence as you get into a large. Hey man, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I've heard you say it before. <laughs> yeah, probably, he listens to the podcast. <laughs> I probably said it differently the first time, the, the other time you heard me say it, but you know what I'm saying? For the people out there that are listening to this yeah, for the first yeah. time, just real, look it real up. Real ones know. Just look it up. You'll yeah. you'll hear it. And what essentially it's saying is that it's impossible. Like I want to be as generous as possible. The smaller my circle is, because because you're able to more adequately sustain the needs of the people that are in that group. The smaller the group is, and and know what they need, and and address their needs more specifically. And and as you grow larger, yeah. um, that that circle of of people that are that are in that, it's it's harder to tell. And, and adequately address the needs that they have. That's right, man. That's that's 100% right. Now, uh, I'm a little skeptical of using the term communism. <laughs> However, <laughs> yes, on a small yes. scale. As in like... Hey, literally, hey, quite literally on a, on a family scale, yeah, communism that's is basically the way right. we that's live, right? 100% what it you means. Make your kids clean the house. If they don't yeah. clean the and house, like they we're all trouble. equal. And, you know, it's. And, and that's the root word for community, yeah. right? Yeah. But it does not work outside of a family size unit. It kind of works uh, like a military unit is basically a communism, is it not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like an infantry platoon or whatever. Yep. Everybody's got to pull their weight. Yep. You're all equal pieces of shit, and one guy's <laughs> in charge, and he. He says what it is, and you and you do it, and that's it. Once you get beyond that, man, now you're now now. Let's just use the military as an example. If you go up to the battalion level, now you got a battalion commander up there giving out guidance and shit. But still, the companies are kind of still doing their own version of that guidance. Yeah. And then when you go up to the brigade right. level, like the battalions are like, yeah, the old man's kind of wacky. Let's let's do it. So it, it breaks down. Even then the true form, the, the, the intent gets, gets scattered about even in such a structured environment. So how in the fuck yeah. is that going to work? Do you mean to say US? that our military is not a perfect well-oiled machine? Oh man. Don't even, don't even get me started <laughs> on the fucking military, man. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you mean it doesn't work perfectly as intended? Oh man. You're going to get me fired up. 
Everything, exactly. hey, just disclosure. Everything I'm saying is just <laughs> Edgar Mills' opinion. That is all. I represent no one or no yeah, thing. No, yeah, abso- <laughs> right. absolutely, man. We, uh, yeah, we we uh, we're never trying to jam anybody up here, and and this is something that we've always been proponents of is having different people on with different opinions, and like you know, we hope our yeah. listeners. Well, we had one episode where we actually lost a bunch of listeners because we had somebody on who was a probation officer and. They didn't agree with a lot of the things I listened that we were talking to that. about, but yeah. I think that yeah. The... Well, what did you think yeah. of that? I, look, I thought it was fine. Uh, I came up around more conservative people, sort of. Well, a segment of my family, anyway. Um, that's very telling, though. With people will cut you off because you're you're listening to an, a different opinion. So, yeah. Well, and that's something that we've never, we've said since day one that we don't want to be an echo chamber and there will be people on this podcast that we disagree with and there will be people on this podcast that we agree with and there will be some people in the middle and that is like, we're all individuals, we're not a hive mind and we're, I think, discussing, we just put something out on our Twitter uh, that I don't think we're going to get any traction on just because of who we're addressing, but uh, we would love to have somebody from a organization that promotes common sense gun control to have a open and earnest conversation about how to best eliminate gun violence because we all want to eliminate gun violence that's it's mutually beneficial if we stop gun violence they'll stop coming after our fucking guns so why wouldn't we want it and we also want to save people like that's we're not we're humans we're not robots so we would love to have people on it from an organization like that do i think it's going to happen probably not hey man when, when, so when you say the catchphrase gun violence, that's where you go south. Violence is fucking violence. If I beat you to death with a fucking baseball bat, yeah, but you're equally as dead. Uh, if I stab you, you're dead. <laughs> if I fucking crash a cinder block over your fucking head, you're dead. But everybody wants to highlight the gun violence. Uh, I get it. Um, the numbers, you know, it's... It's easy to kill somebody with a gun, for sure. It's a very efficient killing tool. That's what it is. Well, that's it's why, a killing that's machine. Why, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I always tell people that it's like, you know, if it looks like where there are more guns, there's more gun violence, that's not necessarily an indictment of of guns causing violence, but more that people that are looking to do violence want the best tool for the job, right? Just like Absolutely. people who want to protect themselves want the best tool for the job right people that exactly want to kill people right. probably yeah. are looking for the best tools you know you know, you know what and, one of the most vicious so killing machines you, on the planet think- is a fucking four thousand pound car is pretty fucking how do we el- eliminate car violence i mean yeah think about that yeah. for a minute how many car crashes are there every year yeah, yeah. we don't ever say violence. that term though we don't ever use the term car, car violence, violence or car violence. violence, whatever you want to say hey but just it, common sense yeah common sense car, there's car just, but there's this moral distinction Common they sense car laws. This, um, yeah. No, but they're always trying to, to to make this moral distinction between regular violence and gun violence. Like gun violence is somehow more sinister. Well, and the thing That's that I've the always problem is they're trying is to make a moral you distinction. To stop gun violence. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You and, and me that's don't the whole have the same it's, morals. It's, a, it's a it's an argument. Not not. There's no two people on this yeah. planet that have the same fucking morals. No. We all know killing's bad, and we all want to stop killing, but. The, the the thing that we've always said is that um, we want to stop killing the 
people who don't deserve to be killed. Let me let me clarify that. But uh, you know, we we've always said that if you want to stop gun violence, and this is the reason I say that that term is to get kind of people into the conversation is if you want to stop gun violence, you need to look at the causes of violence. Guns are just the tool that are used in the commission of a violent act. If you want to eliminate gun violence, if you go after regular violence, if you go after the reason people commit crimes in the first place, you're going to lower gun crime as a result. And that's yeah. that's the conversation that I think needs to be had with people and people who are willing yeah. to listen. And that's the hardest part is getting people who are yeah. willing yeah. to have the conversation. And we're never going to get to do that if we get a reputation of like tricking people into coming on the show and then fighting fighting with them, which is like yeah, you know the well, the other you know, the other end of the spectrum from like the these days, man. Like, uh, well, you say common sense gun control, common sense anything. There's not a lot of critical thinkers out there these days that can listen to a, an opposing opinion without getting pissed off. Everything no. don't have to be an emotional hot button. We can disagree and not be mad at each other. Uh, people, for that's that's lost these it days. Is, yeah, definitely. It is. Conversation is lost. Conversation abilities are, are lost. And, and you said it. The whole reason, it can be an emotional topic and not something that we have to hold personally against another person. And the reason that these nah. these organizations that are funded by these you know, anti-gun billionaires use terms like common sense gun control is because they want to imply that the people against them are, are or lacking like not common sensible. sense. Yeah. And, and it's that's just it's a complete yeah. political It's all move. propaganda. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Both, both sides do it. Um, uh, both sides use the, to- the tactics to, to make it an emotional topic. Uh, so fuck them for doing that and not having legitimate conversation about things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, Edgar, if you uh, happen to stumble across any people from Moms Demand Action leadership in your uh, training classes, and yeah, get them let us know. To, uh, want to talk? I will to invite them. Point them in the I direction of the podcast. Tell them. Tell them yeah. we just want to talk. We we just want to talk. Hey, so, we'll be nice. And so I got questions for you guys. Now now that we're talking and and rolling and everything. I, I, I'm curious how you guys came to be that this is your uh, a better way to a but it, your primary focus is is uh, uh, gun rights and everything for the LGBTQ community and, and all that. What what is your what was your uh, personal or or whatever reason for advocating for that? I think you're both married to like women, right? So oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. A, a yeah, lot, we both a, have people it, right. Well, my point is, like, people might assume that you're gay because this is a you, you advocate. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come around in a minute. So answer that no, question if you don't mind. Not at all, man. For um, me, I'm only I'm only a little bit gay. I'm not I'm not like super gay. It's a spectrum, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I. Uh... Everybody's a little gay. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if, if if we've been in the military, we're all a little gay. Um, <laughs> but uh... shit, dude, I've been to college, man. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Um, no, it, it really it, like the 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 whole a better way to a concept started after the Pulse nightclub shooting, and it was something that was almost unintentional um, to make it into something bigger than what it was in the in the immediate moment. I had uh, put out my name on this website called Operation Blazing Sword after the Pulse nightclub shooting, um, 
which was a way for people in the LGBTQ community and, and allies to put them out there as people who were knowledgeable about guns, but, but allies so that people in the community could reach out in order to become educated on guns. And I met this really neat couple, a couple towns over from me who wanted to learn how to use a gun that they had in the house already that was gifted to them by, by a, a family member. Um, they didn't feel comfortable with it. They never took any any classes. And at the time, I wasn't an NRA instructor, so I told them that. And they said, well, that's fine if, as long as you just show us how to do this. Um, and I said, that's fine. Just know that you won't get any certification out of it. It turned into this big thing where we actually we had a good time together. We disagreed on almost everything politically. Like, at the time, I was I would say... Uh, I don't know. I I wouldn't call myself more conservative, but I would say I definitely like was more hardcore libertarian at the time. Um, then then I don't know. I still have liber- some libertarian views, but I like I said, I don't know where I fall. But like they didn't think anybody needed to own an AR-15. They were like, nobody needs a, a military style assault weapon. And we'd be like, I'd say like, all right, well we'll agree to disagree. Um, you know, this we're here for the training kind of thing. And I would have like little conversations with them about it, but it just turned into this thing that I realized after talking to them that there was essentially this whole community of people, uh, on the left, because that's where they were politically. Um, and they just happened to be gay who, uh, felt like they weren't able to easily assimilate with the current gun culture. Um, they felt intimidated going to like an NRA class, uh, because they weren't sure whether they were going to be judged based on their sexual orientation or or their political views, and because it started with that, and it started with me on Operation Blazing Sword, specifically trying to teach people in the LGBTQ community uh, about firearms. That's that's where the 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 idea for a better way to it came from, and it kind of expanded from there to like people on the left and. Um, you know, people with with just different views and um, people in other marginalized communities and, and, and just kind of spun from there. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely got accused a lot in the beginning of, of being gay and uh, or being like I still get called a groomer because I advocate for trans people to own guns because I advocate for everyone to own guns. Like it's just everyone falls under the umbrella and. Um, it, it, it is something that is just, it's just an occupational thing at this point. Uh, <laughs> somebody's going to call me gay or, or, or think so. And, you know, that's, that's part of the reason that I choose to continue to do it is that I, I have the, and like, I use the term privilege because I have the privilege of being a straight white man who can easily assimilate into these groups. And at the end of the day, being called, you know, a slur, aimed at a, a certain sexuality or or gender identity doesn't affect me because I'm not that. And because of that, like I feel the need to use my position to then better educate people and bring more people into the fold and and you know, show people that they are wrong about people and and make people feel comfortable being in the gun community while doing that. I know that was a long uh long explanation, no. but that's that's essentially where you know how it's turned into what it is. Yeah. Okay. And for yeah, for that's, clarity, that's a better way to a is Jordan's brand. I just co-host the podcast. Yeah. No, that's good. No, I like it. Um, I didn't. I didn't think there was any. I don't know. I probably just kind of assumed most of what you just said anyway. Uh, 
That's good. So for me specifically, that's why we get along so well, Edgar. Yeah. So for me specifically, uh, my mom came out as a lesbian when I was maybe like 17 or something. But during that time in our lives, she was a, like, she was a heavy drinker. She was, she, she lived hard, my mom. And, uh, there was a certain point in time that me and my grandma were so worried about her that when she finally came back around to the house and, and, uh, she, she decided to come out as gay. That was like almost just a, uh, well, that's fucking great. Where have you been? You know what I mean? Like, are you okay? We were so concerned about her health and safety yeah. that the fact that she decided to, to come out to us had very little like shock effect at all. You know what I'm saying? And it didn't bother me. Um, yeah. And then yeah. I have a, a cousin who, um, her name is Angie and she's been gay as long, as long as I've been alive, I've known her to be gay. She's much, you know, I don't know, 15 years older than me, maybe. Uh, she's one of the best humans on, on this planet that I've ever known. And she's one of the most thoughtful, well, not well read, but like she's a critical thinker. She can uh, analyze a situation. She's self-sufficient. She's all the good things in humans. She's understanding and all these things. Anyway, she's one of the best people I've ever known. So how could I apply just being a lesbian as a bad thing, right? Because she's that, that she's one of the best humans there is. So I I learned early in my life that that's that's just another personality. Well, maybe not a personality trait. It's just another part of a person's character. It's not. Right. It doesn't. Now, I find that a lot of gay people, I know, a lot of the gay people I know, I don't know if you guys have been to Atlanta. Atlanta is one of the, the gayest cities in America. And um, in my I childhood. Know that. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that man. sounds like a party. Um, I feel like that's got to be oh, like Atlanta. Welcome oh, to Atlanta. We're gay. Oh, you, guy, you guys got to do a little research, man. Anyway, um, <laughs> a lot of gay, a lot of the gay people that I know are, are very, uh, some intolerant people. Now I'm not saying gay people are intolerant. I'm saying a lot of gay people I know are, are, are not open to hearing other points of view because they want to assume straight away that you're going to, like you said earlier, judge or whatever based on their lifestyle. Right, I see what you're saying. So instead of treating an individual as an individual, they want to come at you as, as the gay community. <laughs> Cause they're no, not every, I know, I know a couple of dudes that come hard, right? They're like, it, they represent the entire gay community in the entire world. And they're telling you what it is. And they're telling you what's what, and they're not very, not even very polite, let alone fucking reasonable. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and on the other mean. hand, I know so many gay people that are just genuinely good humans that they don't invest their entire life into that that one label. So that's one of the problems I have these days. It's not with gay people. It's it's the labels, the labeling, 
the sub-labeling, the labels upon labels. When I was a teenager in the, in the 80s and, and the early 90s, everybody was like, don't label me. You know, don't label me. I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to do my own thing. And these days, everybody's, there's so many categories now, it's hard to keep up. Um, and Label I'm not suck. being facetious when I say that. Like, everybody's trying to form their own tribes. Eventually, if it plays out logically, it's going to come back down to just individuals again. So why not just treat everybody as an individual to begin with? Yeah. It's yeah, pretty I, soon I, you're going to label yourself my... out of any friends. I think it has, yeah, 100%, man. And, and I, I definitely empathize with what you're, what you're saying. I, I think it has a lot to do with, I don't think it's necessarily, it's not the gay community. It's the, it's certain individuals in the, the gay community, like any community, yeah. that feel Absolutely. a certain way about people that they see. And, and, and I think it says a lot more to do with, I think it has a lot more to do with uh, the, the beliefs that somebody has based on the experiences they've had than, than it does about a community in general. Because we're not a hive mind. You know, like people... People, uh, one of the arguments that we have to contend with all the time is that, like, people talk about uh, online whenever we talk about trans people owning guns. They're like, well, you're a groomer if you support them. Well, like, just because one trans person was a pedophile at one point, whenever, doesn't mean they all are. And doesn't, doesn't yeah. mean just because one gay person was an asshole doesn't mean they all are. You know, there's so many straight people who are pedophile no, and right. assholes yeah. that, like, you know, they don't speak for the same, for the yeah, entire right. straight community. And, um, I, I think it has a lot more to do with, like you said, like on an individual level, like I have, I, I remember growing up like this with my, with a family member. I won't, I won't say who it was. Um, I grew up with a family member referring to black people kind of as like a collective group. And when I was really young, I didn't pick up on it as much, but I always knew that he said it like this, uh, based on certain beliefs that he had. And, and, you know, even now when asked, you know, he'll, he'll be the first person to say, well, I have black friends, but they're not the ones that leech off of the system, like shit, like that. That's just wild. Yeah, and like so he's kind of like you know, disproving yeah. his own point. He's like talking about like the the collective black hive mind, but then he's like, oh, but but there's also individuals. It's like, well, but if you're willing the good to give ones, like, if you're willing to give your friends the right. benefit of the doubt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. why not anybody? Yeah, and and that's something that you know, as I got older, I started being able to pick apart a little bit more and realizing like, oh, okay, like this dude's a racist, um, <laughs> but like. I think it says a lot more about who people like that are as critical thinkers than it does about that group that the person saying that represents as a whole. Now, like if somebody who was black heard that person say those things and was like, well, all the white people I know believe this, like that would signal to me that, that they're not talking to enough white people. (laughs) And, and plenty uh, and plenty of black people say just that. But it's because they're not critical. Thing- those individual black people that say that, just like those individual white people that say that, they're not well, critical. Because critical they, exactly. And I think critical it. thinking transcends race and sexuality and, and gender identity and all these things. And, and I think, you know, like you said, it comes down to yeah, the individual. Does, yeah, and I don't think right. that it's necessarily uh, if, if somebody's an asshole to me, they're an asshole to me. It doesn't matter if they're gay, straight, black, white. Or, or anything, you know, yep. I, I don't, I don't assign their beliefs to an entire community of people because there are so many different people in that community. And I think that's like, that's, that's the way to go. And I think that's what you're saying essentially is like that people need to treat people more like individuals and, 
and stop. Like as much as it, it sucks, it sucks that, for you exactly. to be labeled as as b- believing a certain thing because that's what they see you as, and and you want to extend that benefit of doubt to other people. Yeah, yeah. So for example, um, I on Facebook and in some of the socials, I'm a member of uh, Atlanta Pink Pistols, which is Pink Pistols Me. is kind of a national gay and lesbian gun group. And uh, I've offered up training over and over again. And I, I literally somebody came back to one of my posts and said, uh, they, they said, we're not going to train with you because you, because of a, um, a guy that I, that I train with, who's a Christian, outspoken Christian guy. But because of my association with him, they chose yeah. not to, to do business with me. And that's fine. Um, but it's a shame that they're going to pass up the level of training that they had access to. Uh, I can tell you now I'm, I'm a better instructor than 99% of the NRA instructors. I I'm just going to, uh, and they're, they've passed on that level of training for something that was pretty, pretty petty. And it it is a shame because it's, I think we're all guilty through seven levels of, of association. You know, we all know somebody who knows somebody who's a complete piece of shit. And I think there's one thing. Yeah. When you some of us are, don't have to go that far. Yeah, some of us don't have to go that far. I think I think when you're in a position like yourself, who who is there to teach people, you're going to be with people sometimes who, like you said before, like you don't go ahead and vet everybody 100 percent of of the time. Like if, if you're or through and through, like if you're not a shitty person, you'll train the person. And I think, like you said before, like we all have different morals. Um, we all have different. I think we all agree on like the core principles, like the core morals, like don't kill people, don't be a fucking dick to people. That's stuff right. Stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I think people, I think there's a difference between people saying, I don't want to work with you because you worked with somebody who thinks that I shouldn't exist. Because there are certain, you know, definitely Christian fundamentalists who think that like trans people aren't people and, and gay people are doing it because it's a choice. Um, I think there's a difference between saying no to you because you you openly work with and support someone like that than training somebody who is an outspoken Christian and, you know, taking that in the context that it is that because the person's an outspoken Christian, he's probably going to disagree with us on certain things, but you might not be a shitty person because of that. That's uh, everybody my has personal choices. belief, you know, um, like, and- yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear I hear what you're saying exactly. Um, and like I said, it's too bad uh, that that people think that way, and that's all right because I'm still open and available you know, to whoever. Um, yeah. I'm, my my courses aren't laced with political activism. My courses aren't aren't set up to cater to any one group of humans at all. Uh, when you come to my courses, you're coming to learn how to shoot guns safely and proficiently and uh, and become become good at it. So that's it, and that's all. Um, and I was just pointing that out just to, to point out that, that there, there are assholes in every fucking subgroup. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so I think that person was just an asshole. Well, and yeah. you know, and I, I would even go as far as to say that necessarily. I think that it's completely possible that they are an asshole. But I, I do think, though, that sometimes that we forget as like straight dudes, uh, 
or maybe just don't put into perspective sometimes is that, you know, there, there are people, you know, gay people and part of the LGBTQ community who probably have certain aspects of, uh, like their lives that we don't have to contend with, like like the the casual homophobia, the casual transphobia that they have to deal with in, in a daily life, and I and I think to some people it's just like Chinese water torture after a little while. And <laughs> yeah, that it's just like it one for, one after another of these like yeah, soft blows. It, it's almost like they're conditioned yeah. to feel a certain way about people, and it doesn't make it right. But but I think. Extending the benefit of the doubt that, like, they might just be, they might not fully understand you as a person and might not fully understand where you're coming from. No, absolutely. Take you at face value. And it's, and it, it's a shame. Like, it doesn't make it right. And I but, don't disagree um, with you. No, I don't disagree with you. Uh, and we're talking specifically about LGBT, but everybody out there has a whole life that no one else knows about that I, I so I may have said the one thing that pisses off Karen from fucking the soccer mom I don't know everybody's got some now yes <laughs> yeah. uh, LGBT the the, it, it's possible it's possible that you know they've put up with a certain level of uh, discrimination but it's also possible that they lived a happy, full life as a gay person without ever having any discrimination. That's a possibility too. Absolutely. Uh, and as time and as time goes on, uh, I keep coming back to the same thing: like just treat everybody with respect, and don't expect any special treatment or any shitty treatment because of who you are or whatever or what you are. Just treat everybody on the same base level of respect, and the world will turn so much smoother. That is, uh, I think it's a skill that people definitely need, and I call it a skill because I think it's something people need to practice by, you know, suppressing their inherent biases they have about people. Perfect example is you getting judged by a group that doesn't know you, um, and then other way around, you know, like them getting judged based on your experience with them. I mean, it's it could go either way. It's all it's all a perspective thing, and that's the way I try to look at things. Is that like my perspective isn't always the right thing. I've been wrong about things in the past and something that I believe is that I'm going to be wrong again in the future. And not me. No, I know not you, Andrew, yeah. but um, I think people need to well, practice that. Hey man, it, it's You're... yeah. Well, it's the wisest people who can put themselves in other people's shoes, right? If you can put yourself in someone else's shoes for five minutes and go, Oh yeah, I can see why. Or I could see how, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't even really have to do that if you just treat everybody with respect. Yeah, absolutely. Be nice to someone until they give you a reason not to be. Yeah, or at least consistent. Like, uh, I'm not an outgoing, happy-go-lucky guy. I'm not, I'm not really a nurturer, but uh, I'm the ex <laughs> exact same... I'm the exact same when I meet you as if, if I meet a, a black uh, a preacher, a, a black female preacher. How rare is that, right? So I'm going to treat her exactly the same as I treat a guy who is a, a SF dude in my, in my unit for you know, 10 years and we never met because we were in different companies or something. It's, I'm going to treat them exactly the same. 
and I'm going to have the exact same That's conversation. Cool, we're going to get to whatever, however we came together, we're going to get to that. And then if somebody starts acting like an asshole, then I'll treat you like an asshole or, or vice versa. Well, with that, I mean? man, do you, uh, do you have any piece of advice for people out there? I feel like we've, we've harped on that and that's probably the piece of advice, but, um, you know, if you listen to our podcast, you know, this part's coming. Uh, do you have a piece of advice for anybody out there, whether it's gun related or not, that could just help them improve their daily lives? Well, yeah, we just harped on it for 20 minutes. Uh, treat, treat everybody with respect. Uh, in terms of gun yeah, ownership, right. in, in terms of gun ownership, spend money on training. Don't spend money on Gucci shit. Uh, you don't need it. And once you get proficient, if you choose to pursue competition or whatever, that's great. But if you're caring for self-defense, you need to train and you go take more, you know, train, train, train. If you can go find a free class, jump in it. Uh, if you have to take that same free class three times to get it, fucking do it. Uh, but you need yeah. to be as comfortable. If you're going to carry, you need to be as comfortable with that gun as you are with your fucking cell phone. And and there are not a lot of people who, who are that comfortable. It, admittedly, I'm not comfortable with anything as I am with my cell phone. No, well, I drop my cell phone yeah, all the fucking well, time. So what does that tell you? Exactly. <laughs> oh, <my> yeah. God. <laughs> no, that's a good. Uh, and good, then consistency point, in all all make. things, right? Be consistent across the board, whether it's with your politics or with your training or with the way you treat people. Just be consistent. Cool, man. Yeah, dude, I agree. feel that, man. That's good. Absolutely. Well, Edgar, dude, we uh, we're gonna cut you loose. Um, just because yeah. it's like really dinner time here, and my wife's like, my wife's <laughs> probably wondering where I am. But but uh, we appreciate the hell out of you coming on, man. Um, and yeah, uh, I love it, man. This is awesome. Yeah, once again, Edgar from Osprey Shooting Solutions. And uh, if you if you want to plug yourself, train plug your page. Guy. Yeah, go to Georgia and train with the dude. He's fucking legit. And uh, yeah, if you want to plug your page real quick or your your whatever you're doing, then feel free to do that. Yeah. Thanks. So my primary page is OspreyShootingSolutions.com. That's all things gun training uh, from the most basic level private sessions to dynamic two gun and competition um, and things like that. And then if you are curious about what the Southern Ornithological League does, uh, that website is TwoTeamGuys.com. That's the number two, TeamGuys.com. And that is training other than gun training. That's teamwork and leadership. So just for example, we do land navigation. We do a mountaineer, search and rescue mountaineer course, uh, have a surveillance awareness course, and some other things like that. Anyway, all you have to do is get on there and request membership. I'll, I'll, I'll talk with you a little bit, and then uh, I'll give you access. And, uh, and then follow me on all the socials for um, Osprey Shooting Solutions. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, hell yeah. you muted, Andrew. Oh, okay. I fixed it. I fixed it real quick. <laughs> well, thank you again, man, for coming on. We uh, we appreciate the hell out of you coming on, and this was a lot of fun. Sorry for all the crosstalk. The the weird delay was brutal, man. Yeah, we're we're gonna it's, edit it's it. Probably one hundred percent me. No, no, we're we're having we're experiencing an issue we haven't on the platform before, and e even between me and Jordan, there's a little bit of a delay. Yeah, I think it's just it's it's a mixture of things that are out of our control, but it is what it is. I'll fix it when I edit it, and uh, 
will all sound yeah. normal. But um, well, <laughs> relatively, you guys for having me relatively on. normal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, I wish you the best, and uh, we will be in touch for sure. Awesome. Merry Thanks Christmas. Lot, guys. Yeah, and Merry you, Christmas. Merry Christmas.